Welcome to Spill the Biz. I'm Sarah Stowe, Head Editor at Inside Franchise Business. Join me as we have candid conversations with leading entrepreneurs and business owners behind some of the world's most impressive franchise brands. At Inside Franchise Business, we acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia. We pay our respects to elders past and present. Hello. Today I'm chatting with Jake Bromwich. Jake heads up the Australian mortgage broking firm Rams and he loves the challenge. An aspirational mindset is part of his outlook. He stresses the importance of dreaming big, both in business and personally. Whether it's the challenge of an Ironman contest or a 223-kilometre trek in Central Australia, Jake sets big goals. He shares his perspective on why a fear of failure is essential to achieving success. If you don't have some fear of failure, you're not trying hard enough, he says. If you let it consume you, you won't make progress. In this podcast, he shares some brilliant tips for entrepreneurs and business executives. He talks about innovation, adversity, crisis management, and what makes for success. Hi, Jake. Um, thanks for joining us today. We've, we've caught you in between um, renovations, uh, busy workload, and you're just about to go off on a trek. Can you just tell us about that? Yeah, hi, Sarah. Fantastic to be here with you today, and thanks for having me. Yeah, tomorrow, uh, heading off with my wife on a trek for a week on the Lara Pinta Trail across the Northern Territory Desert. Uh, to raise money for the Kids Cancer Project, who's our uh, charity partner we work with uh, here at Rams. And so far, we're on track to raise um, $25,000 uh, for them on behalf of Rams, which will be fantastic. Oh, that is that is fantastic. What does the, how, how long will this um, trek take you? Uh, it's a full week, so we head off uh, tomorrow and come back a week later. So it's about just over 70 kilometres of walking across the uh, trek and camping and staying out in the, the desert, so I'm sure it'll be hot during the day and cold at night and uh, quite a challenge each day, but I'm sure oh, the campfire at the end of the day will be rewarding. Oh, absolutely. Look, it sounds it sounds kind of quite amazing. Have you done anything like that before? Is that the sort of thing that you, you do? No, no, I haven't. It's the first one. I, I used to do a lot of sort of endurance sport, but my training, uh, that stopped when kids came along, uh, so this is the first time doing something like that in uh, quite some time. So I don't think the, the body's where, where the mind is, but uh, the mind is in a good place for it and that'll be help me through. Excellent, excellent. Well, when you have kids, it's endurance training of another kind, isn't it? It's an <laughs> entirely different experience. Yeah, um, look, um, there's, there's quite a lot of things that I wanted to talk about, but maybe you could just tell us a little bit, just, just kind of very briefly about, about RAMS and, and the business and what RAMS is all about. Yeah, so Rams is uh, we're we're a home lender uh, at heart, and we run a franchise business model, and yeah, we're about helping Australians fulfil the dream of home ownership and providing that those that need a bit help a bit of extra help with that sort of local franchise service model as well. So Rams started up uh, almost twenty seven years ago uh, to fill a gap in the market around that personalised service, and it sets us well today, even in a age with lots of digital innovation, the fact that we really focus on that customer experience and helping them through a complex uh, period and, you know, big decision they're making really uh, sets us apart from the rest and, you know, to our success that we have today. And particularly first home buyers and self-employed customers is where we excel, where that journey is a little bit more challenging and that um, guidance along the way from a specialist is helpful. 
So, so how long have you been with Rams, Dave? So I've been uh, managing director and CEO of Rams for almost four years now. Uh, so it's a, a great time. You know, right now, I've been through plenty of uh, great upsides and challenging times and adversity to deal with as well, you know, COVID amongst those items as well. But um, it really has given me the opportunity to understand the business in depth, form some great relationships with our franchisees and go through the sort of challenging times and now the you know, accelerated growth we're going through at the moment. So so we've not been talking that long and we've had the word challenge come up quite a lot already and I think that's probably fairly common in, in any um, chat conversation that people have today about kind of business or, or, or anything. It, it does, does challenge drive you? And you also, two questions in one here, does, does challenge drive you? And, and what's the what's kind of your ambition? Where, where does your ambition come from? Yes, I think I look at sort of, you know, what is at the heart of what we do? Who's our customer right now? What's the solution we're providing for the customer or a opportunity in the market we're making the most of? Um, and work sort of from that. Like you're here to solve a customer problem or provide a service to a, a consumer and then you can you can build your yeah, ambitions and your strategy around understanding sort of your why, what's your purpose, what's your vision, what's your mission for your business. And, and they can sound like, you know, corporate strategy type, words vision mission etc um but they're critical because they go to the heart of why you do what you do and that helps you build your strategy it helps you build your ambition around that um and our vision and our mission we actually worked hand in hand with our franchisees to develop because it's important right because they're small business owners we're a business we have to be in partnership to get the same outcome at the end of the day if they they succeed we succeed and so therefore for us, it's really about you know what's the gap in the market or the problem we're solving, who's the consumer we're helping, and work through around that. So for us, the ambition then you know we understand what's the opportunity we can go after, um, but we can't go after everything. We are you know we're a business with big competitors out there that we have to compete against, um, and therefore you've got to think about you know, what's your point of difference, what's your specialty you go after. For us, really. The, you know, that first-hand buyer and the self-employed customers stood out because our franchisees are self-employed. Everyone that owns a home has been a first-home buyer, so really that local community, local service stood out, particularly enables a, a differentiator in the market compared to a, a big corporate with a big spread and a, you know, a bigger agenda getting targeted and focused on what it is you do do. It also means being very clear on what you don't do. Um, one of the issues I quite often see in entrepreneurs and businesses where we're excited, we've got lots of things we want to do, lots of ideas going through our head. Um, but one of the reasons why we're successful is that we're actually really focused on what we do and what we don't do and being clear of um, there's some amazing opportunities we could chase as a business. But we need to stick to our knitting in some regard and make sure we don't distract our attention too much. So, yes, we might look at you know other opportunities down the track or we look at other things, but it's not, if it doesn't fit into our core purpose, our core vision and mission, we're better off letting it go and letting someone else have a go at that um, so it doesn't distract us from the big game of what we're after. And I think that's always interesting to hear um, how brands and individuals within brands can kind of keep it a niche market. And I think that's always the big challenge, isn't it? You know you know what, where you want to go, but as you say, there's all these little um, little toys that you could play with along the way and, and do you stay niche or do you kind of broaden your focus and I think um, it's always interesting to hear how different brands 
do that because that relates into innovation and where and where do you where do you invest yeah. you know where do you decide to innovate so do you have a particular process that, that you go through is it uh, if you're looking at, at making strategic changes yeah absolutely so we yeah we do proper strategic reviews you know um at regular intervals and then throughout the yeah in between your strategic reviews you get opportunities that get presented to you or that changing market dynamics you know COVID comes up and you reconsider certain aspects um but i think there's there's innovation in how you do what you do today so you can innovate with our processes with our technology with our product solutions to help the existing customers we're trying to help but in a different way or in you know making sure we're moving with or keeping ahead of the the change in the consumer demands and then there's innovation outside of your yeah, your mainstream that you go down that you can consider as well. Um, for us, when you look at that, we don't, you've got to spend a little bit of time on it, but if you spend too much time on it, you just start distracting yourself. Um, we definitely go through assessments for some of those if we think they're worthy considering. Um, yeah, we look at the, the desirability of it, the feasibility of doing that, and yeah, what's the, what does it add to the business? Yeah, so does this add something to our business or not? So what's the, what are the value across those? And we've actually got a sort of, a method we've actually followed to then determine well, where would that sit in our priority list? Is it on strategy or should we adapt our strategy to go down that path, yes or no? Then even if so, it's a where does it actually sit on our priority list? We've all only got X amount of capacity. Um, small business owners, you've only got X amount of resources that you can call on. You can certainly add more if you need to, but you've got to think, you know, yeah, economics, yeah, the use of scarce resources. So for us, it's then prioritising that and being really critical on that, um, that you work out, yeah, where does it sit in your priority order of what you want to do, what you want to innovate in. Um, and that sort of helps us decide, ultimately, do you do it or do you not do it? Um, and sometimes it's a, a no for now. It's not a hard no. It's, a, it's not the right time. So you mentioned earlier when we were talking kind of about challenges, about um, COVID and adversity. And on a personal level, I, I'm interested in what difference, what impact um, working through the, the pandemic has had on, on you in terms of your work-life balance, in terms of how you view what you do at work, your work structures. Has, has there been any fundamental kind of changes to yeah, absolutely. So work-life balance, I think, became more balanced in COVID. So there were certain aspects in the initial stage of crisis management where you know, the work-life balance went to work because you're in crisis <laughs> management mode. You're solving, you've got you know, responsibility for all these small business owners plus yourself and everything and your own people and employees. So it's sort of crisis management, daily meetings, where we, you know, what needs to be done tomorrow, what are the risks, what's happened today, how do we get there? So there's sort of that element. But then as we got the structures out in the early weeks um, and as we then got the you know, the rhythm and the focus right of what we had to do, over time now, the work-life balance is a better balance um, for me personally. So I you know, I never used to you know, be able to drop the kids at school, pick the kids up at school, do their sport. Um, so now the ability to work from home a lot more and the, the fact that it's, um, it's a norm for a lot of people, right, that balance of, in the office versus at home. So for me, I have a balance now of days at home and uh, days in the office. And yesterday was a, a day that started at home and then I went out and visited a local franchisee for a celebration event and then went back home, finished that off. Uh, and then, you know, 
son came home and took him to football training and helped you know coach the local footy team for the under nines. So it's sort of a it's enabled you to put things in perspective a lot more. I think family, which has always been important to me, gets more attention now, uh, and just that ability to and it's probably the acceptance right that we do meetings virtually sometimes. So I think we got COVID. I found challenging when it was work from home the whole time because I love connecting and interacting with people and that was really challenging um homeschooling was challenging uh but i think now it's a better balance like i love getting out and connecting the franchisees i love our big events where we've got lots of people but i actually i love being able to like walk my walk my sons to school um have a chat with the other parents on the way back and grab a, maybe grab a coffee on the way back to the house so uh, it certainly brought a better balance uh, for me in my life what about adversity? I mean, you said there that you know, 110, 200% of your, your time, your effort, your creativity, emotions, everything is kind of piled into how do you keep the business going um, when, you're, when you're in kind of crisis management. How do you personally approach, approach adversity? What, what's your philosophy? What's the way that you do things? Yeah, so I think for me, communication is critical. Crisis management, um, open, transparent communication engagement is is key, right? You've got to, everyone needs to be on the same page, um, but people then need to be really clear around who is doing what. There's um, a natural tendency in crisis management, everyone wants to jump in and help and do things, but I think the issue sometimes then is you need real clarity of who's doing what, otherwise you've got, you know, the old too many cooks scenario happens really quickly because everyone thinks that's the most important thing and tries to do it you end up with you know, confusing each other. So for me, you know, there's the element of you know, how I run that work was, you know, was literally you know, once, twice a day, really clear on who is doing what and communicating to those that aren't involved in the doing what's happening so they don't think they need to jump in and do it so they can focus on what they need to do. Uh, and on a personal level, uh, exercise is critical for me. It's the, the healthy body, healthy mind, um, it, making sure you have that structure so for me, it was you know, every morning, um, it was a, the first hour of the day was walking. Now, I didn't just go for a walk. I actually, over that hour, I probably had about five to six phone calls, you know, looked at and responded to emails, but it meant that I had that sort of healthy body, healthy mind, and I felt I had a refreshed start to every day. So it's actually still booked in my diary now from you know, 8 to 9 a.m. is you know, phone calls, which is actually leave the house because otherwise you're in the house for everything. It was leave the house, have that time getting you know, the natural endorphins up, but it wasn't sort of, it was double productivity at that time. So for me, it's that get the exercise in when, you know, when things get stressful, it's actually step away and clear your mind. Don't stay in it the whole time. You've got to step back, do what it is you like. It could be painting, reading a book, could be running, writing, whatever. Just make sure you've got that, that thinking time and it allows you to put um, things into perspective as well. Do you have a fear of failure? Does a fear of failure? Um, I think if you don't have some sort of fear of failure, you're, you're not trying hard enough. You're being <laughs> too conservative on the edge. I think you've, if you're not thinking about what could go wrong, you're putting yourself at risk. Uh, you're putting your business at risk. You're putting yourself at risk. Now, running a, a bank is yeah, and a, a lender, you know, we live off risk management, like okay, financial risk management, non-financial risk management. But I think if you're not thinking through the what could go wrong and having that little bit of a fear, 
um, you're not sort of challenging yourself um, hard enough and you're actually, that's a risk to your business and you probably should be more worried. So absolutely, but you have that fear. But for me, if I have that clarity of what I want to do, gone through, I've got the strategy right, the real clarity of what we need to do to deliver on that, um, you have to back yourself in and you have to back that in. Yes, you might have your little fears. Well, yeah, sometimes it's a big fear, but if you, you've got to trust in yourself, make sure you've gone through the right process to develop your strategy and then get about backing yourself in. And things will come along the way and people will, you know, doomsdays will pop in and say, oh, what about this or what about that? You've got to, you know, you've got to have your strategy and stick to it. Um, otherwise, you risk actually failing because you fail to execute. And if you fail to execute, that's probably your bigger risk of failure. Um, so absolutely, there's sort of fear of failure that drives you know, appropriate strategy and risk management setting. Um, but you don't, if you let it consume you, you won't make progress. And, and on the flip side of that, obviously success, that's what everyone is aiming for. How do you define success for yourself? Yeah, so for me, yeah, success is being clear about, you know, what it is you're, you're trying to achieve and setting clear goals and aspirations. Um, it's an interesting one. We had a conversation with my team about a bit over a year ago and we were talking about um, goals and then we decided to change the conversation. I wasn't happy that we weren't being, we weren't challenging ourselves enough. So I said, let's talk about aspirations. So where do we want to get to? What would we like to do? And all of a sudden you start to open yourself up to what's possible in a greater method. Now, the difference between that, though, is if you don't meet the aspiration, you haven't failed. You've, you've, you've probably got further than you thought you would have got if you just set a target or a goal. So for me, there's sort of the, when you go with that aspirational mindset, um, it's okay to not meet the full aspiration. Like you're definitely driving for it. But if you meet them all, you're not actually setting big enough aspirations um, from my point of view. So it's probably that sort of dream big, think big, plan big, um, and then focus on how far, how close you can get to that. Because you sometimes you'll get there. This year we've, you know, we're actually on track to beat the aspiration that a lot of people thought we could never get to. Um, but if we just went with the goal, we would have been satisfied with the goal. Whereas now we're actually going to exceed the aspiration we set, and that's sort of that's really satisfying for me. Uh, and that's in personal life and in work as well. In personal life, I started doing triathlons um, years and years ago, pre-kids. And then I set myself a goal of doing a full Ironman. So, yeah, 3.8K swim, 180K ride and a marathon to finish. And well, I would never have dreamt of being able to do that. I'd never run more than 5K in my life, never swum more than, you know, 200, 300 metres. Um, but I set the aspiration out and I loved it. Um, the challenge and the the method to get there, the process, the training plan you put in place. And it's interesting, you work backward from what's that aspiration, what do I need to do for the 16 weeks leading up to that aspiration to make it happen? Um, and that's how work in business, set the aspiration and what are the things you need to do to get there? And for me, there's the, it's also what do I not do? You have to prioritise because if you try and do it all, um, you won't get there. Triathlon, multidisciplinary, if you try and, you know, swim, run and ride every day, plus do a full-time job, like you're going to hurt yourself. Yes. <laughs> so you've got, to, you've got to work out what you're going to do each day. Um, that kind of need, leads quite neatly into sort of talking about leadership, which 
uh, and I've got a few points that I want to raise here. So, um, you were um, ranked as the number one top 30 in the top 30 franchise executives uh, at the beginning of this year. So, congratulations on that. Thank you. And that's um, that's a, a report that um, we put out at Inside Franchise Business Executives, uh, which is essentially recognising high performing executives across the franchise sphere business. And um, when when we asked you how you would describe your leadership style, you said driven, entrepreneurial, and accountable. I think we can kind of see the driven, um, entrepreneurial and accountable. I just wonder if you've got any particular comments on, on how you see that translating into Yeah. So I think on the entrepreneurial, there's the, the you add in that aspirational comment we had, right? You've got to You've got to think big. You've got to think beyond I'm here to run a business or I'm here to do this or that or you know, here's the, the boundaries we operate within today. You need to challenge if they are the right boundaries um, that you operate within today. Now, entrepreneurial doesn't mean you go and do 100 different things. But what it means is for me is that it's just stretching your thinking of what is possible, what you could do, but then... The accountable front is then being very clear and providing clarity of what you are going to do and what that direction is and holding yourself and your team to account to that. So if you don't have the accountability behind it, you don't deliver on the execution of your plan. So for me, the accountability is you know, do what you say you'll do. Uh, I remember when I started uh, as a franchise executive at our conference almost four years ago, uh, I stood up on stage and said to our franchisees, you know, judge me by my actions, not my words. For me, that's accountability, right? It's not about the, the words that come out of your mouth. It's about what you do and being accountable for what you do. And that's then how I lead my team as well. I can't do everything. I don't have all the ideas. It's leveraging the people around you from an entrepreneurial side and then being clear on where we're going, clear on who does what, and then hold people to account uh, for doing that and, you know, yeah, thanks again for the recognition of Franchise Executive of the Year. Um, wasn't something I was expecting, but yeah, very humble to uh, receive that award. And I think you know, speaking through some of these things, hopefully there's some lessons for business owners as well in terms of that entrepreneurial is not do 100 things. It's really stretch your thinking, use the people around you as well to come up with those thoughts and new ways of potentially doing things. And sometimes it's actually sticking to what you're doing really well and making sure you've stretched your thinking around, you know, how could you be attacked? Who's the disruptors in your industry? How are you going to protect yourself against that? Um, but then clear on what you're going to do and hold yourselves accountable to it. So you, you, you did mention um, in, the, in earlier conversations around the top 30 about human connection being something that was really important to you and something that would obviously be, we, that we all lacked through the, Pandemic, yes. and, and I noticed in that conversation today that you you mentioned it a bit earlier about getting out and, and meeting people. And so, how how do you see that sort of progressing? That that need for human connection. Oh, it's it's part of a, a our psychology makeup. It's part, it's part of you know, our our structure as a human being. Um, if you do you know, the psychology studies, you, you'll learn about the fact that yeah, that humans thrive off that. Now, some people need it more than others or they get in different ways than others some want the the big crowd of a thousand people around others like the one-on-one -on -one type connection but we all need some you know 
connection and human connection to fulfill ourselves. And we all get that in a slightly different way. I think going forward, that's going to continue to be critical. How you get it, how you do it, the formats might be different to pre-COVID. Um, but I know, like speaking with our franchisees and catching up with Tina yesterday, she was sort of she was talking about the fact that you know, COVID reminded her why she's a franchisee because she's missed the conferences, she's missed the state meetings where you're physically contacting and talking to these people. Now, we did WebExes, there was lots of phone calls, but the actual human interaction, the laughter, the energy you get off being in the room with other people um, is paramount for people. So I think the human connection will never go away. There's lots of digitization of stuff happening in the world and automation, uh, but that means you can spend your time and your human connection where it's more valuable. It means you don't have to leave the house to do tasks that you don't get that human-centered connection out of. Uh, it means when you leave the house, you're doing it to get the nice human-centered connection. I mean, personally for me at work, um, I could sit at work now on video conference meetings all day because half the people aren't here, they're at home. And you could fill your time doing whatever you wanted. But if I've got a, a 15, 30-minute gap, I walk around the office and go and talk to people. Like, it's just enjoy what's engaging. It you know, reminds people why you come to work and what we actually missed about um, that connection side of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're, yeah, that's so true that we all do love to kind of get together. And I think any opportunity that, that, that we've had through work to do that has, has really paid off. Um, look, Jake, thank you so much for your time today. Um, it's been very nice to, to have a chat and um, to hear some of your perspectives on, on business and uh, goal setting aspirations. I really like that. The, the change in language makes such a difference, doesn't it? Sometimes just changing one word can make a big difference to a result so thank you for your time and good luck with the big walk excellent thank you and i'll look forward to letting you know how it goes and thanks for your uh, time today as well sarah it's great to catch up thanks again for listening to spill the beans don't forget to subscribe and if this podcast has spiked your interest in the world of franchising make sure you check out our website insightfranchisebusiness.com.au for more great info and tips on how to get started.